Welcome to Stuck in Misery, the best Midwest sports talk podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by James West and Sam Renshin. On today's show, we're going to talk about the release of the SEC football schedule. Now, before we do, I want to encourage our listeners, go leave us a five-star review. We'll read the funniest ones on each episode. Sam, we have a fan of yours to read today. Do we? Really? We do. We do. Oh, boy. So this comes from the Drummer Boy 2012. Shout out Drummer Boy. Yes. Great podcast and worth every minute. He says, fun podcast to listen to was a great find. Highly recommend with two exclamation points. Sam's soothing voice and sports takes definitely make this worth coming back to. I believe the growth and continuing depth of knowledge of the podcast feels like the beginning of Missouri Sport Radio, similar to another podcast and radio show, Kentucky Sports Radio. Cannot wait to see the growth and development as the journey continues. Hashtag cats by 90. (laughs) All right, drummer boy, man. Thanks for the, the kind words. Kentucky Sports Radio. Hey, I'll take that. You know, Sounds like you know who the culprit is, Sam. I don't know. I don't know. Cats by 90? Never heard anyone say that one before. <laughs> Depends on what sport we're talking about, I suppose. Maybe back when Kim Anderson was the coach, but... Uh... <laughs> right. That uh, I have been honestly, in... like maybe maybe this year too, because who who the heck has uh, who the heck do we have on our team anymore? I guess we have Tillman still, but uh, yeah, it ha- would have had to have been in Lexington as well, because in three seasons, Kim Anderson never won a true road basketball game. How that's possible on a Division One level is really beyond me. But uh, Mizzou sports fans will know what exactly that I'm talking about. And speaking of Mizzou and the SAC, the fall football schedule is out. Guys, what was your first impression of the schedule release? James, we'll go to you first. Yeah, man, I'm just going to keep it short because we can go into this in a little bit. But uh, I thought that some of the the bi-week placements and the follow-up games are really intriguing, particularly for Mizzou. Mizzou, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Auburn, because none of those teams have to face an opponent coming off of a bye for the entire season. So that was just one little thing that stuck out to me. We can hop hop into it a little more after that. Sammy, what did you think? Uh, I, I would say that I, looking at it, you know, obviously you go to Mizzou's first, and I'm like, <laughs> honestly, I think it's going to be a quiet, a bad year for Mizzou. I kind of like the idea that, you know, drink kind of gets us – gets his medicine the very first game of the year, Alabama at home. I mean, just feel him through the wolves. But, you know, I, I just feel like he's been very optimistic and upbeat about it. It's like if you can keep that going throughout the season, you know, it, it's really something that I enjoy. I think we can finish strong with a few, few winnable games here and there down the stretch. And, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Sam's so flattered by the drummer boy's five-star review that he's just beside himself and doesn't know what to say. Exactly. Just doesn't know what to say. Right. Going from right no. from the frying pan right into the fire, Mizzou's Eli Drinkwitz playing Alabama in week one. Now that game is going to be on September 26th. Alabama opens as a 19-and-a-half-point favorite, and the Crimson Tide have not lost a season-opening game since 2001. So welcome to the SEC, Eli Drinkwitz. Mark, you and I were chatting about this matchup when it first came out this week. And as I look at it, I still think the exact same thing. I don't doubt 
Eli Drinkwitz ability to pull off an upset week one and break the Alabama, what, 19, 20-year winning streak. But the only thing that I do doubt is the talent that Barry Odom recruited to play in that game. Or let me say the lack of talent Barry Odom recruited to play in that game. I bet Drink could pull an upset week one against a huge team like that, but it's going to have to be in a couple of years, dude. You, it's going to have to be in a couple of years. Like the, Coach the depth, Drink coming in hot. Yeah, the depth dish isn't there for Mizzou. And, and especially like when you don't have a – he even said, what was it, yesterday where he's not naming a starter. They're going to have to watch all the film. They don't know what our offense is going to be. There's no spring game. Like you're playing that up as a big advantage, but honestly, like it's a disadvantage to us too. As as a as a team, as a team that as a team that struggled the past few years under Barry Odom, it's a disadvantage to us too. Serious question for you guys: Like, who's the best recruit Barry Odom brought in during his tenure as Missouri's head coach? I, I'm I'm being dead serious right now. I, I don't because I really don't like, know. Like, I, I mean, like, don't know. best best recruit or who's turned into the best player? Either both. It's like what? Like, like Bolton. Bolton yeah. this year is like. But like, who was the if you, there is like, potential one potential. guy that, you know, who's like that one guy that comes to your mind that's like, oh, this is Barry Odom's guy that he recruited from day one? Dude, I can't really name one person. Yeah, man. You know? It just, it's I mean, like at least Pinkle had, Pinkle had just, Drew Locke, Pinkle had Terry Beckner, Pinkle had DGB. Those were all really yeah. big gets for Missouri oh, yeah. at the time. And they all had their respective level of success, but it's just like, again, who's that guy for Barry Odom in Missouri? And it's just, and let's like, be honest, oh, it's not like we haven't had talent in Missouri. We've had great players yeah. that have just chosen other places to play. So, I mean, that just comes back on Barry, big Barry. Fellas, if it's any consolation, the rest of the first year SEC coaches have a tough going as well. Almost head coach Lane Kiffin hosts Florida, Arkansas, Sam Pittman has Georgia. In Mississippi State's Mike Leach has LSU. So brutal, brutal matchups for the new SEC coaches in week one of the season. Again, that'll be September 26th. Okay, so we'll get into other takeaways from the schedule release. Each team has one bye week, which I thought was pretty interesting compared to some of the other conferences scheduled. But I will give the SEC credit for this starting on September 26th. With that, you have some flexibility of what campuses look like when you welcome them to campus. What does that look like? Are there outbreaks? This is something we've seen across the ACC. We've seen it at North Carolina. I know Notre Dame had a bit of an outbreak too, where they've then sent students back. So I think that starting the season later allows for some of that flexibility. Each team will have one bye week as well throughout the season, but just an absolute gauntlet. James, we talked about this a bit when we found out who Missouri's SEC West opponents would be this season. An absolute gauntlet of a schedule for Missouri. Arkansas as well has one of the brutalist schedules as well. And I think there's a distinct possibility that the Razorbacks don't win a game in 2020. We're talking about a team that has not won an SEC game since October 28th, 2017. And Brett Bielema was the coach at the time. So that was something I noticed from a scheduling standpoint on the lower end of the totem pole versus some of the upper tier talent. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't want to discredit this front half of Arkansas schedule because they still have to go and play Georgia and Auburn at Auburn. But after their bye, like just to anyone who, who can look at that schedule, 
they have to go and play A&M, then Tennessee, then Georgia, then LSU, then Missouri, then Alabama, right? Missouri, our team, being the easiest matchup in that six-game stretch. But that's like our fabricated rivalry game that the SEC's created here. But, like, players and coaches, I think, still look towards that game because it is a rivalry. And I'm using finger quotes. It's a rivalry. But when they're playing LSU the week before, that doesn't give them any ability to sneak a peek ahead because they got a heck of a team playing them that week. And then they could always look past us, and they're playing Alabama at right after us. So, But, hey, you don't have faith in Barry Odom's defense? there you go sam there you go sam and that is why folks we are stuck in misery hence the name of our show opening week lines a&m a 37 point favorite over vanderbilt lsu favored by 26 over mississippi state georgia 24 point favorite at arkansas bama 19 and a half point favorite at Missouri, Auburn 11 points over Kentucky, Florida 8 points over Ole Miss, and South Carolina and Tennessee, to me, probably going to be the most intriguing matchup, straight up a pick between the Gamecocks and the Volunteers. So those are the opening week games. Any of those lines that you guys like, I'll say this too, and this is bad mojo to want to root against your team. I would imagine that that line of Alabama by 19 and a half is going to move even more in favor of Alabama. I'm surprised they're not at least a three-touchdown favorite over the Tigers. If I'm going to call an upset here, I'm going to have to go Ole Miss, Florida. I mean, it's not like I would take that bet, but if I, if I have to, you're going to make me choose one. I think that one's the most probable. And really, I think that what, it, what that comes down to is Lane Kiffin having experience playing and coaching in the SEC East with Tennessee. He knows the stadiums. He knows the team histories. He knows what he's in for. And, and granted, too, like, it's not like crowd noise is going to be a factor here in any of these games. Really, what you're coming in for is like – and I don't really even know how much his, of his experience is really going to benefit going into that environment because there are no fans. That's the kind of intangible that I think he can – or he could account for if you were leading a team and under regular circumstances. A few things, Mark. I typically try to avoid betting on Mizzou games because it just always ends up biting me in the butt. But I will say so that – There's a whole lot of misery. You know me, I'm a, I'm a homer. I always just – I have confidence in my voice. But a lot of times it just bites me in the butt. So I'm going to avoid that line. James, I'll counter, and I'll take that minus, minus eight on Florida. I just – I mean, looking at Ole Miss last year, I mean, they were absolutely terrible. And I don't think that one year, especially the first game back, is going to make that much of a difference for Lane Kiffin and his Ole Miss squad. And also, you're talking about how, uh, yeah, there's gonna, there's probably not going to be any fans in the stadiums, which is kind of a, a huge bummer. I mean, that's part of the pageantry of, like, college football is what I love about the game the most. It's just, like, those fans, Bale Gates and everything. But on the bright side, I think this actually will probably benefit Mizzou and – Vanderbilt especially who like let's be honest we struggle getting attendance in the games when our team sucks and there's very likely a big chance that that's going to happen this year so you know it's like if Mizzou's going into LSU Death Valley it's not going to have that same like feel to it because there's going to be no fans there you know don't don't you agree 
I'm even, pretty sure at Commodore Stadium, they already practice social distancing, even when we're not undergoing a worldwide pandemic. Right. It's Oof. like, and Oof. it's like the Vanderbilt, like, I feel like they have an advantage now because it's kind of more of an equal playing field versus you go somewhere like a Death Valley or Bryant Denny or Neyland Stadium. Right. And you've got 100,000, 100,000 plus fans going absolutely nuts. I think this actually levels the playing field for a team like Vandy. So shout out to the Commodores. Amazoo. Uh, Mark, is that you predicting Vandy as SEC East champs? <laughs> no. no, it seems the Vanderbilt coach, Derek Mason, seems to be one of those guys who's always on the tightrope, always on the hot seat in terms of whether or not he keeps his job. At the end of the day, if you're Vanderbilt, it's not like James Franklin's going to be coming back from Penn State to be able to coach your team. If you're going to fire someone, I always say this, have a plan of who you're going to bring in or who you could potentially target to take over for a position. And furthermore, to that point, athletic departments, because they don't have ticket sales like they would in the past, and there's still a lot of things up in the air with the pandemic, you might have some schools that aren't in the same financial situation to be able to say, hey, we're going to go ahead and fire this coach, pay his buyout, and then have to pay another coach and his staff on top of buying out a coach who's not performing at the level that you'd want him to. So you have to factor that in mind too in terms of the dollars and cents that the pandemic does have an impact on. I think that that's a great point, dude, because when we think about Mizzou going out and hiring drink that might not have happened if they wouldn't have fired Odom last season. Yeah. So we'd have been stuck with Barry Odom. We would have have still been stuck with with Barry Odom. What would you guys say other than LSU trying to repeat as national championship? Is there a storyline that's really intriguing to you headed into this season? I think my favorite storyline heading into the season is just like all the off season coaching carousel. Just seeing like, Oh, you took my point, Sammy. Sorry, I was just say there's you can you can add on to it. I'm just gonna say there's so many personalities in the SEC now, and it's just gonna be so fun to see them all battle it out week in week out. Like, who could not love Mike Leach? Like that guy's one of the funniest coaches out there. Just such an yeah. oddball. And then you got like Lane Kiffin, who's like completely opposite, just like a bro of a coach. Or you got Mike Leach, who's kind of like a nerd, and then you got Drinkwich, which I, I like him a lot so far. He seems like he's like upbeat. Yeah, up- man. He's kind of he's kind of taking over that mantle as like the Mad Hatter. You know what I mean? I just feel like the, I feel like that guy's in all the media. He's just he's just slinging quotes left and right, and it's like it's something as simple as like, oh, you guys want to know who I'm starting as quarterback? Well, here you go. I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. I'm not gonna tell you. You're not gonna <laughs> know who's gonna do it until the first start. It was like we we're playing Bama. Like, what do you want from me? Like, no, you don't get to know who my starter is. It's almost like get it's like really that big of a and deal. It's like, and it's like, yeah, he, he, just like, he just like adds a little flavor to it, adds a little personality to literally everything. Like, you see him when we got that safety recruit. Like, he just, he just went nuts. It's yeah. exactly, dude. It's like, I feel like because of Nick Saban, you got like this influx of just these ghost face of a coach who just would give you nothing and would say nothing. Like, your Belichick's, your Saban's, like, this – you get nothing. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, you have some of these teams like Mississippi State going out and getting Leach, Ole Miss, 
bringing Lane back in, you know, like drink, didn't know a thing about him until Mizzou hired him, but and then you, huge you, personality. And like, I'm loving the guy. Like I, I hope he can win a couple games because just as a person, I'm a big fan. I look forward to the day where Mike Leach has to explain the difference, the scientific difference between an LSU tiger and a Missouri tiger. It's going to be awesome or to watch Auburn that. Auburn tiger. Exactly, exactly. Or the difference between an Auburn tiger and then the war eagle, you know, why there's two mascots instead of one. You know? I'm sure he'll be able to come up with a straight-faced answer off the cuff. Just insane. I'll be honest with you. If I was a media member at one of those news conferences where you have to just ask him questions, like I, I just don't know how I'd be able to take any of that seriously at all. <laughs> just someone who understands who they are and what they do and what their purpose is. So Sam, we've got your storyline of the new blood in the SEC, the new head coaches. James, what about you? What are you looking forward to? I think one of the big things just coming off of last year and that great season was can LSU repeat Will LSU be able to defend their their title a little bit better than Les did? I don't think that's going to happen. I think that LSU is going to finish third, maybe fourth in the West this year, purely because they lost 14 players to the NFL draft, 10 of which got drafted in the first three rounds. Like, you look at some of these teams in the SEC, and they don't even have a guy going in the third round. And yet LSU had 10. When you have to replace that many players and like that many great players, there's going to be regression and players have to step up. And it's just, there's teams. That was a special, special team. And it's really hard to kind of get that next step that, and just keep on, just keep on moving and not skip a beat. That's difficult to do. And there are very few teams that can do that. Two, maybe three being Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. And that's why those teams are so special. And LSU has never been able to quite get into that same class of a team. And that's why they ended up firing less is because he couldn't string back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back amazing seasons. And I don't think that this year is going to be any different. So congratulations, LSU Tigers. Enjoy the national championship. They were by and far the most exciting and best team last year. But this year is not going to be their year. No cop that Ogeron, huh? I love Ed, but I just I'm just saying, like, let's just set realistic expectations, Tiger fans. It ain't happening. And certainly it wasn't just Joe Burrow who led that team to a historic season a year ago. Now mentioning the Mad Hatter Les Miles, when LSU won the national title in two thousand seven, the Tigers went eight and five the following season and didn't even finish in the AP top twenty five. So that's what you're talking about in terms of the regression that LSU had with Les Miles coming off of a national championship. Guys, does 8-5 and five sound like a dream looking at the schedules this year in the SEC? <laughs> I would love if they were 13 games. Yeah, I would love I'm, that. I'm thinking, like, if you're Arkansas and you're like 8-5, and five, sign us up. <laughs> Before you said that, I have a question that I was kind of like contemplating a little bit. It's like, how would you define success – for Coach Drinkwitz in this first year? You know uh, what, Sam? That's an excellent question, and I have an answer loaded for you right now. If I'm Coach Eli Drinkwitz, I have the Georgia game circled on my calendar. Wait a second. Wait a second. Mizzou, wait a second. At Mizzou, wait a second. Playing, wait a second. Playing Hang on. off a of bye week following Georgia playing Florida. 
if I'm if I'm Coach Drinkwitz and I'm thinking not what does success look like, but like what does sustained success look like? I have that game circled on my calendar, and I'm going. We're gonna make some magic happen that week, boys. Can we beat Kentucky first? I, like, right. how many years in a row have we lost to Kentucky now? Can we it. beat Kentucky first? Like last season, they had a receiver playing quarterback, just snapping it to him in the shotgun, and this guy's just running wild against us. The Sam year before, asked me, Sam asked me what success looked like, and I told him if if Mizzou we please were to upset beat Georgia, Kentucky first, would you not call that season successful? If they can lost every other game, please beat Kentucky first. And I, like, it's not like I'm asking Missouri to beat Kentucky on the hardwood. I'm talking on the gridiron. Like, it is just. Oh, dude, that, that two, that's in two, that in twenty in twenty eighteen when Missouri lost to Kentucky. That's when I was just like Barry Odom's not our guy because you're up two scores and yeah. it's just a complete meltdown yeah, and 50, coaching decisions, coaching decisions in terms of clock management that cost Missouri that game two years ago. That only Tigers fans will remember. But oh, okay. for for me, James, yeah, I would love to beat Georgia right. so for let the me, first so time let me since you- the twenty thirteen season. At the same time, you talk about realistic expectations. Can we please beat Kentucky first? Hey, I was just trying to bring a little energy, but let me bring it. Let me bring it down to earth for Mark. I think that Missouri fans should be incredibly happy if Drink wins four games this season. I think anything more than four is overachieving. I think anything less than three is underachieving for me it's like anywhere near 500 here's the thing it's like yeah four wins sounds great but like if we don't even know who the starting quarterback's gonna be how do you even begin to evaluate that it, it yeah, shouldn't I mean, be about like, like the wins and losses because let's be real like a three loss season versus a four loss season or three win season versus a four win season this year doesn't really mean all that much difference it should yeah. be more about like establishing who your guys are going to be going forward and seeing cohesion in that staff that makes them actually play well, seeing that they can actually manage a game. I mean, I think that, that they can definitely improve in all aspects of the game from last year, even though they, the talent might not quite be there. It's more about just kind of developing who our players and our leaders are going to be going forward and really who Drinkwitz is going to be going forward. Because right now, yeah, the sky's the limit, but the floor is also very low too. So we don't know anything about him. So yeah. I think it's more about, you know, him coming in and establishing that program and an attitude, a personality, which it's not going to happen right away. But if you do show up and play a hell of a game against Georgia, show up to the, the first game against Alabama and don't get stopped. So Sam, I want to interrupt you there and and just say, you know, like you're thinking like, all right, show up first game of the season, play Bama, don't get stomped. Like, let's again, let's bring it down to more realistic expectations for Mark here. All right, let's play. Let's like, like go a half of football and not get stomped. I'm telling you right now, as an Notre Dame fan, you're going to go in, they're going to play a half of football. You're going to be like, oh, can we do it? Halftime adjustments come, third and fourth quarter going to get ugly, but it's like, String two together, and that's a success. All right? I would say same thing with LSU. String two good quarters together, whether it's the first or the second or the third or the fourth, I don't care. You can call that a success. You know what I mean? But, Sam, I think that's a great point that you made where you said you didn't want to classify it to wins and losses. That's an excellent point. Now that you've said it, I agree with you. I think a lot of it is just going to become in, like, redoing the culture 
that Barry Odom destroyed. A winning culture. I remember in 2012, the very first game Missouri played Alabama when Missouri moved to the SEC. And it was either the first or the second play from scrimmage. Eddie Lacy, who went on to play running back for the Packers, not a speedster by any means, but just he was very large, even as a running back. A Paul Bunyan of a man is the way I would put it. Rips off a 70 or 80 yard touchdown and all of the energy in the stadium was like, well, maybe the next time we match up with Bama, we could put up a better fight. Nijay Harris, who's now the running back for Alabama, decided to come back this season, even though he had more than 1,500 yards a season ago and 20 touchdowns, is in the backfield for Alabama. And, like, I'm just remembering that 2012 game, the caliber of recruits that Alabama gets. Sam would have run for at least 100 yards that day behind Alabama's offensive line, and I have no doubts about that. (laughs) I just oh, remember that game. I think it was Murray. It's in the rain. Just got yeah, like say, you feel it. Remember, we were. I, I was at that game, and I waited forever. We were tailgating all day. It was pouring down rain, but the energy in the stadium was pretty like upbeat, pretty hype. Because you know we're going into it, we think we might have a chance to stick with them. Who knows? First season in the SEC, pouring down rain. It's drenched, and sure enough, Lacey just busts the run, and it's like oh, that. The whole energy of the whole stadium just deflates and. I think by halftime, like, the stadium was empty. All right. So favorites in the SEC this season as we begin to wrap up the pod. Alabama, the favorite early on at plus 110. Georgia at plus 220. Florida at plus 700. LSU at 750. And then you go from there. A&M, Tennessee, Auburn, South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Missouri, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt at the very bottom. I'll tell you what, guys, I think Georgia has tremendous value at plus 220, even despite losing Jake Fromm. It's not as if Jake Fromm was the reason Georgia was good year in and year out. Always had a stacked backfield, regardless of who is back there. And I know this is something that you guys wanted to talk about before we started the show today. At plus 220, it's like Georgia is just has to beat Florida, really, to get to the, at least the championship game. And then once you get to the championship game, we know that Georgia can compete with Alabama and LSU, who are obviously the favorites to come out of the West. Yeah, man, you know, I, you look at this schedule, and it's a beast for the bad teams, but it's like, who has the easiest schedule? Probably Florida or Georgia. So, I don't know. I feel like with Fromm and Swift leaving this year – I want to put my bets in the Florida Gators hat to win the East this year. Just kind of tired of Georgia. I think Fromm was overrated. He had Chubb as a running back and then Swift as a running back. The dude was never pressured to make a throw in his life, except for when they got their butts kicked by LSU, right? So it's like – or when they got their butts kicked, was it against Texas in the – Whatever bowl game it was. Whatever. So I will say that I'm going to go Florida over Georgia in the East – Alabama in the West. It's as simple as that. James putting his stock in Dan Mullen and quarterback Kyle Trask for the Gators. Again, I like Georgia. I think there's good value there. I think there's some good value with Texas A&M too. Kellen Mond coming back for Jimbo and the boys. I think there's some value there as well, but we'll see what happens there. But I will say this in terms of who I like to win the conference, obviously I'm going to take Alabama, the favorite, but 
again, from a gambling perspective, I like the value that you get in return with a little bit better odds with Georgia in terms of the odds there. Again, Alabama plus 110 and Georgia plus 220. I do have one question for you guys. I haven't done all that much research and, you know, the changes in personnel throughout the SEC this year, but Mark talked about it a few weeks on the show, how a year ago, Joe Burrow was a nobody. We didn't really know anything about him. I mean, he was transferred into LSU and sure enough, he was the breakout player of the year, really. Do you see any guys like that this year that you kind of off the radar, but has potential to be a household name next year? I will say this. I like Nigel Harris for Alabama to have a very successful season just because we saw what he did a year ago. I am shocked he didn't leave for the NFL, but that's a decision that he made. You're talking about a guy who's the number two overall recruit in the class of 2017. And again, more than 1,500 yards from scrimmage, 20 touchdowns as well. Again, I want to see what Kellen Mond does, a veteran quarterback for Texas A&M. And we're talking about a guy who could really, really improve his draft stock with a good season this fall. And really, for me, it's a big season to see is Jimbo Fisher worth the salary that the Aggies are paying him because he's one of the highest paid coaches in all of college football? You know, we mentioned this, maybe it wasn't on a live stream, Mark, but I think this is the year where you're going to have, where you're going to have even the best in the SEC have a couple losses. You're going to see some upsets this year. Some ones that you didn't expect. Probably from some of these new coaches too. Fellas, as we begin to wrap up today's show of Stuck in Misery, final thoughts before signing off here. Yeah, so I'm going to swap from the SEC to the ACC. This past week, we've seen North Carolina and Notre Dame both go to remote learning. I'm curious to see how this is going to impact the ACC continuing along their schedule to kick off for a fall season this year. I do have to say, you know, when you look at the SEC and the ACC and the comments that they made where they're going to wait and see how COVID-19 is going to impact their campuses. Seeing it go online learning is not the direction that you want it to be going if you want a season to happen this year. Uh, so I'm very curious to see what will happen and how those programs will handle their seasons moving forward in the days and weeks to come. You, you know, you guys can always count on me for your local St. Louis news. So few things. Thanks for all the comments and feedback you got. Uh, you gave me regarding the St. Louis City SC um, announcement. I think uh, a lot of us are really excited about that. So hopefully the Blues can keep it rolling. And also, Carpenter hit a grand slam today. Is, is Carp back? Brutal first game in, the, in what was a, a doubleheader. They're playing five games over the span of three days, Cubs cards and Earlier today, it got brutal early and Cardinals taking care of business. Nine to three was the final on that first game. So, oh man, Cubs just got absolutely shelled. Fellas, I'll leave with this. Certainly there are going to be hiccups. There are going to be disruptions. There's going to be things where unforeseen circumstances are going to occur with the pandemic, but I hope everyone can stay healthy, stay safe, do everything that they can do to mitigate their risk so we can have college football come September 26th. So social distance, wash your hands, wear a mask, do all the things that you need to do in order to make that a reality. And that's what I'm hopeful about in light of what happened at North Carolina and Notre Dame. Hopefully we can move toward having 
a college football season because I know certainly there are many, 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 many people out there who would like to see that. Going to go ahead and sign off here. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Stuck in Misery wherever you get your podcasts. Go leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the show like we did off the top on today's episode. And the funnier, the better. We like to have fun here on Stuck in Misery. Guys, this was a lot of fun, and I'm going to go ahead and sign off. For Sam Renshin and James West, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to Stuck in Misery. Take care. So long. We'll see you next time.